Good morning. It's Thursday. It is Kale and Company live here at WKXL, 1450 on the AM dial, 1039 in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. Kale and Company presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at NEDelta.com or DeltaDentalCoversMe.com. And uh, joining me, another outstanding WKXL sponsor, and that is Weed Family Automotive. Dan Weed is with us from 124 Store Street in Concord. You can make an appointment right now. Uh, good morning, Dan. Good morning, Ken. Welcome to a chilly, frosty uh, Thursday. Chilly, frosty, your kind of weather, Dan Weed. Where we're coming into it. <laughs> you love it. You love it. You love to see just that little trace of snow that we had uh, yesterday. The Bow Pioneers will be out there soon grooming the trails. Yeah. Trail projects are all lined up, ready to go. And, yeah. and, and not just the Bow Club, but all, all the yeah. clubs around the state. Sure. But, you know, this is our, our push to get the trails ready, get the, the infrastructure in place, get the equipment taken care of. and. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that there's more miles of recreational trails in the state uh, built and maintained primarily by the snowmobile clubs, uh, but then there is highway miles. So we yeah. have 7,000 miles know. of recreational it's, trails in our state. That is, that, every time you say that, and, you, and I've heard that stat before from you, uh, that just blows me away. <laughs> I mean, interstate highway, how much of, it, uh, of interstate highway is there? Certainly doesn't it? It doesn't even come close to approaching that highway in general. No, you know your, uh, your major state routes. Yeah, you know, yeah. one hundred one, two hundred two, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, uh, you know, your major state routes and your interstate highways combined still don't come close to the number of miles of recreational trails that we have. Seven thousand yes. in this state. Nobody would believe that, uh, but uh, you know, I know, I know it's true, and they have to be maintained and groomed, mm-hmm. and that's why they have clubs like the Bow Pioneers, and as you mentioned, many others. Uh, throughout to all areas of the state. What do you? Uh, what area do you patrol and uh, and and help maintain? So the our club is responsible for primarily the town of Bow, but yep. we have trails that go through Concord, uh, Hopkinton, Dunbarton, and part of Ware as well. Outstanding, and I hope you have a lot of work to do this year. I really do. We have. It's yeah. been a, a busy fall for us, getting some uh, bridges taken care of, uh, getting some. Uh, Wetland crossings fixed up and whatnot, and uh, so, but you know it's true for every club and not just the bow club. But uh, you know what is often forgotten about, and we you know have technically called them snowmobile trails because the clubs have built them yep. and, and maintained them. But it's really a recreational trail. We have more users now than we ever have for enjoying the outdoors. You know, COVID has really. Uh, done a huge, I guess, benefit, if you will, for getting people to realize that there is a lot more out there than your phone screen, your computer screen, your television, that there is life in the outdoors. Yeah, well, that, that is a good thing. So in addition to, to snowmobiles, what would they be used for? Uh, so a lot of people walking, jogging, yep. hiking, uh, horseback riding, snowshoeing, cross-country well, skiing, riding. Uh, yeah. mountain bikes, you know, you know, the off-road mountain bikes or even some of the off-road e-bikes. Uh, so th- there's a, a huge variety of users and just the people that, you know, enjoy getting out there, uh, hunters and whatnot, yeah. you know, so right. it makes a, a great uh, venue for them to be able to walk on a, a known trail and yeah. particularly somebody that might have 
a bit of a, a physical challenge getting right. out there. So the trails make it easy for them to be on. And of course, when we're out there, you know, grooming and maintaining and stuff, we see wildlife all the time and yeah. whatnot. So it's great to get out there, see the outdoors, see what else is beyond your television screen. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's a and enjoy it. I mean, New Hampshire has an awful lot to offer and being able to use a trail system that takes you basically from the Southern border of our state yeah. to the Canadian border at the Northern part, you know, there, that's amazing. there's people yeah. that do it on a fairly regular basis, given the you know weather. Yeah. And we were able to do that same trek uh, about six or seven years ago, but we rode from Bow to Pittsburgh uh, in one day. And spent the weekend up there, rode around, and then came wow. back. But, you know, it, it was great to be able to see the uh, vast variety of trails and trail networks within the state, uh, the mapping system that's out there. Wow. And, of course, uh, we've got GPS online now, so the trails are all GPS. GPS on the snowmobiles? Yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah. can use it on your phone. Sure, yeah. A lot yeah. of them, the yeah. new, yes, yeah. but the, the right. new sleds yeah. do have GPS right. built into the new sleds. But. And uh, it makes it that much more, uh, I guess, comfortable, if you will, knowing that – you don't have to stop, get a map out at every intersection. Right. And, but, you know, that's part of the yeah. adventure for me is going out, uh, not quite knowing exactly where you are, but get from place to place to place, just following the trail signs and, and directions and whatnot. And, yeah, and every once in a while you pop the GPS out and say, okay, this is how we get to the next point. And so the GPS is is programmed uh, for, for the trails yes. as well. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a couple uh, of apps out there. The New Hampshire wow. Snowmobile Association has an uh, – a trail app, if you will, wow. that shows all the club trails, and it's m- most all of them have been accurately GPS in the last few years. So, you know, there's a lot of changes, and every, particularly in the North Country, where a trail reroute happens on a, a seasonal basis based on what's going on in the logging industry and timber industry and whatnot. So, you know, one year the trail might go through this one particular wood lot, if you will, or cut lot. Yeah. Uh, and the next year, because they're harvesting in, in a different location, the trail gets relocated. Wow. Uh, yeah, like, and it's it's that accurate, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. I, I did not realize. I never even thought about it, actually. I thought you'd have, you know, maps and, and so on, but the, it's GPSed, huh? It is, but, you know, the, yeah. the, the club's, you know, part of the uh, – Income stream, I guess, for the clubs too, is to print out trail maps. Yeah, I typically grab, you know, if I'm going up north, I'll grab one from the local club because they've made those seasonal changes or even week to week changes based on trail conditions, closures, you know, things that are going on. So you can grab the local club trail map, keep it in your pocket, you know, because your phone doesn't always work. Right. Right, exactly. I'm sure, especially out in the trails, deep in the woods, mm-hmm. that uh, it, it wouldn't might not work all the time. So maps are still a necessity. They, they are still yeah, a, yeah. A, a very nice tool to have. Yeah, exactly. So uh, do, do you have uh, electric snowmobiles? There are. There's a couple companies out there that are developing the electric oh, snowmobiles. Really? Yes. Yeah, yep. yeah. I haven't particularly seen personally one on the trail yet. I think they're probably doing most of their testing out in the Midwest, but be interesting to see. And I, like anything else, the the problem with the snowmobiles, just like the motorcycles, is how far can you go? You know, how, how far right. out can I go and still get back without having to worry about that recharge? Yeah, and but so that would have to set up a, a whole new network of refueling, or not refueling, but charging recharging, stations. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. Wow, but it's fun to think about, it and is. Uh, yeah, so all all kinds of things. I I never thought about a GPS in the middle of the woods, but <laughs> uh, but there you go. And uh, 7,000 miles of trails in New Hampshire. Yes. How, how many clubs do you have approximately? How many snowmobile clubs like uh, like you have? Like oh, I've lost count at this point, yeah. uh, but I think there was over 100 plus clubs. At, yeah. 
last night. Yeah, there, there, there have to be for yep. all those miles of, of trails, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and we do have a, a state association that, you know, helps all the clubs, you know, work together, if you will. We have the New Hampshire Snowmobile Association, and they're based out of Tilton. And it's a, it's a great organization. Uh, they do a lot of our uh, contact work and whatnot with the, our state representatives and whatnot, uh, state agencies, you know, whether it be Fish and Game, Bureau of Trails, yep. things like that. And so they, they provide that uh, level of support to the clubs on a, on a state side of it uh, to help us get things done. Because, you know, on any given day, we're dealing with two to three state agencies within the club, whether it be, mm. you know, again, Bureau of Trails, Fish and Game, uh, Environmental Services, and, and whatnot. So they help us uh, keep those contacts open, keep that level of communication open between the clubs and the state agencies so we can all work together and get this taken care of and, you know, allow people to get out and enjoy what we have. You know, it's one thing that, you know, we consider when we talk about the you know, number of trails, uh, right. that miles of trails that we have, but what the snowmobiling community brings in as far as revenue into yeah. the state. Oh, yeah. You know, whether people yeah. are coming to stay for the weekend, so you've got the hotels, gas, lodging, sure. food, uh, the snowmobile equipment themselves, you know, you know, your average right. snowmobile in this day and age ranges any from ten to $20,000 for a brand new snowmobile. Mm-hmm. And you, you add that up. And so you look at this, our state economy and the snowmobile industry, if you will, probably brings in upwards of $10 million a year into our state. Wow. Revenues. That is something. Now, people don't think of that. I mean, people obviously think of the you know the ski industry mm-hmm. when they think of New Hampshire. Uh, but uh, sometimes they might forget about uh, how much snowmobiling uh, brings into the state as well. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's it's a good chunk of change. It, it is, and, and probably uh, you know increasing all the time with the uh, you know the added interest that there is now in uh, in outdoor sports. Yeah, the last couple of years yeah. we've barely been able to get a new snowmobile because there's not enough inventory. Is that right? right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Dan Weed is with us from uh, Weed Family Automotive, one twenty four Store Street in Concord. Close to where a lot of construction is going on these days, and maybe more in the future. Who knows? And uh, you can make an appointment right now. Bobby and Charlie, are they standing by? They're waiting for your call. They are there, Bobby and Charlie. And uh, 603-225-7988. 603-225-7988. Or you can go online and uh, make an appointment as well at weedfamilyautomotive.com. Lots more to come. If you have a question for Dan, you can give us a call. 603-224-1450-224-1450. 1450 right here WKXL and nhtalkradio.com we will be right back it is Kale and Company live here on WKXL 1450 AM 103.9 FM in the Capital Region 1019 FM Manchester and beyond and around the world around the clock at nhtalkradio.com Dan Weed is with us from Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord. We were talking uh, off the air about the grass drags and uh, all the snowmobiling events that uh, took place over the Columbus Day weekend in Epping. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, New Hampshire Snowmobile Association, our annual event is Race into Winter. Uh, it's We call it the grass drags technically because mm-hmm. there's a series of grass drag races on the snowmobiles that go on. A water cross event, so you get snowmobiles going across the, the pond down there. And a whole bunch of other things going on at the same time. Vendors, flea market. It's, it's a pretty big event. Uh, t- to the degree now that this is the biggest uh, sporting event in our state. So 
over a three-day weekend, they brought in over 46,000 people wow. for the three-day weekend. That is amazing. That is truly amazing. I mean, that's like 15,000 a day, right? Yeah. You talk yeah. about an economic driver. I right? mean, uh, that's that's really something. So, I mean, I, I, I try, I have never attended, but I'm trying to visualize it. I mean, do they have stands? Do people just stand around, or what is it yeah, like? Yeah, so there's a, there's a whole you know vendor area. So yeah. Well, you got Polaris, yeah. Yamaha, Skidoo, yeah. all, all the major manufacturers are there. A lot of the local dealers are there as representatives of the manufacturers. Right. Uh, some other vendors that you know are related to the snowmobile industry. Then you have a whole flea market area. But yeah, during the for the race events for the grass drags watercross, yeah. there's grandstands that are set up. Wow. Uh, you know, or you can watch. You can you know make your way through the pit area and see what the guys are doing to get the sleds ready and, and whatnot. And uh, so you have the watercross, you have the grass drags. We have a stunt show that goes on there. Uh, there's helicopter rides that go on and a whole bunch of other things Sweet. at the same time. It's quite an event and, and really spectacular. If, you, if you've not had the chance to go, uh, it's well not. worth it. I can't wait till Columbus Day weekend next year. Wow, that, that'll be a lot of fun in, uh, in Epi. Now, when you say the grass drags, I mean, is it what you envision? I mean, is it a, a race between snowmobiles? Yes. Uh, or uh, do they race against each other, or are they timed, or how does it work? So it, it is a timed event, yeah. you know, so they keep track of the times just like you would at yeah. the drag, drag regular race. New England yeah. dragway. Yeah. So, yeah, you have two sleds that are yeah. on a grass strip yeah. uh, racing across, and, and the, these sleds are purpose-built for the grass drags. And, you know, there's a, our, if you will, sister event or competing event is Heydays out in Minnesota, uh, and I believe there was one year our attendance surpassed theirs in Minnesota. So wow. uh, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Now, what about going through water? Is that uh, is that good for a sled or or, or not? Oh, if you keep it above water, yes. Yeah, keep it above water. <laughs> that, is that the goal? That's the goal. <laughs> That's yeah. the goal. Wow. When it, when it goes under, you know, this again, the sleds are purpose built so yeah. they can uh, clean them out, dry them out relatively quick, and and get them back up and running. But yeah, you know, and that's, you know, obviously one of the in- inherent dangers in our sport is going across a lake and not knowing the lake. But, you know, the last thing you want to do is be under the water. Yeah, I, I would think so. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, in the professional series down at the grass drags and yeah. water cross, these guys do it on a regular basis and, and are pretty well versed in it. But there is always, you know, that handful that get plucked out of the water, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds like fun, really. You have to keep us posted. And, uh, and, and I'm sure it'll be in Epping next year, same same time, same place. That's right, Columbus Day weekend. Columbus yep. Day weekend in Epping. In Epping. Wow, that place. Down uh, at uh, Peterson Farms. Peterson Farms, yeah. wow. And uh, I can't imagine, 36,000 people. 46,000. 46, 46, yeah. Wow. In a weekend. That is uh, that is amazing. And Dan Weed is here. So, uh, Dan, what's uh, what's going on? What's the latest buzz in the uh, automotive industry? Oh, well, there's all sorts of things going on. But, you know, with our time change and whatnot, yeah. it, it has really, uh, well, I guess we'll go with this, brought brought to light. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Oh, no, maybe there was. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the number of cars that are yeah. driving around out there either without their headlights on. Really? Or, or yeah. with, with burnt out yeah. lights and whatnot. And it just brings it to the forefront. And, of course, my commute has changed a little bit, so I see more and more of it. But, you know, it never seems to fail that, you know, that evening commute or, or early morning commute, there's inevitably somebody driving without their headlights on and or a bunch of headlights burnt out. <laughs> really? You see you see a lot of that, huh? Yeah, I mean, you do. You, you really and truly do. I've, I've noticed it uh, myself. Uh, don't um, uh, most cars have their headlights on all the time? I mean, uh, 
Yeah, I know mine. You know, uh, my my Honda. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as soon as I turn the car on, the headlights come on. Right, but that, that's a whole it's different a, system. So right. that's what we call daytime running lights. Right, and, right. And that's been around. Mm-hmm. You know, truly uh, in the GM world since the mid '90s. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of other cars have adopted it, and so you have what we call daytime running lamps. Uh, but I think again that technology-driven environment that we're in now, you get in the car and typically, guess what happens? A dash lights pop on, depending on day, night, whatever. And so you automatically in your head think, oh, if my dash lights are on, the headlights must be on. But not, not so, not, not necessarily. So yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Or you know, we get so ingrained that oh, I set set it on the automatic setting, they must come on by themselves, and you know. You forget to check, or somebody's been in the car and changed it. You know, when we bring a car into the shop, we inevitably check the lights and whatnot. But because we don't want to kill a battery, run the risk of running the battery down, we shut the headlights off. We try and set it back to the automatic setting if the car has it, but it doesn't always happen. So, you know, double check those settings. It's no yeah. different than that pilot getting into the cockpit from somebody else taking over the aircraft from the last flight. You know, you've got to go back through and double check everything. So, same thing with your car. Double check your lights, double check your light settings, make sure everything's working. Uh, And of course, we have so many options out there now for different types of lights uh, to make it easier for our maturing eyes at night. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for putting it very nicely. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, uh, so there are options for different lights. Now, I see a lot of people that have switched over to, say, an LED light. That might not be uh, DOT rated, and sometimes these lights are excessively bright. Right, yeah, yeah, I've noticed those, yeah, for and, sure. Uh, I in particular have noticed, and w- I don't know why I picked up on it, but there's a certain brand of trucks, the Ford trucks out there, the nude body styles, that the lights are ridiculously bright. Mm. And ironically, uh, it was announced not long ago that Ford has come out with a recall for these trucks because the lights are too bright from the factory. And, but I'm thinking to myself now, wait a minute, it makes it so much easier for somebody to see at night what is going to be their incentive to bring this truck in to have their headlights changed right. or dimmed? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so how, exactly. how effective a recall is that really going to be? Yeah. No, no, exactly. But you do see some lights, uh, obviously, that are, are, you know, when you're going down like a, a two-lane highway or something, mm-hmm. you see those those lights uh, flash. I mean, you, you see them and, uh, boy, it's almost blinding sometimes. It is. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I think you can, uh, you know, have – Maybe bright lights that are too bright, uh, exactly. perhaps, for the other person yes. coming in the other direction. They're great for, for you. you. It's great, but <laughs> uh, but for others, it, it's, it's not so great. Yeah. And you're talking about the cockpit of uh, – I, I was looking somewhere online at the cockpit of the future yes. for, for vehicles. <laughs> you know, it would detect where uh, – who's sitting where in the vehicle, what mm-hmm. the pet is up to. Uh, they have uh, video games synced with vehicle movement. Uh, they probably know uh, which passenger in the car needs to go to the bathroom. I, I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> but, I mean, just, just that cockpit of the future, which is not so much the future. It's almost it's, reality right now. It is. You know, yeah. again, the technology that's out there is just amazing. And, you know, one of the key areas of any instrument panel is what we call the center stack. You know, that's where you're putting your climate control, your radio, your entertainment system, your nav system, all the stuff in that that center stack. And that's the most important piece of real estate, if you will, in the car. Uh, But as I start to see some of these newer and newer cars 
trying to navigate your way through some of these displays uh, is a bit of a challenge and yeah. really distracting uh, to a great degree. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I mean, it is. It can be very distracting. Yeah. I mean, my, my vehicle doesn't have all these bells and whistles that, that you describe, but, I mean, I've been in cars where it seems like, you know, how do, how do people do this? I mean, this is almost like flying an airplane. Now, right. You know? <laughs> but, but now, you know, I, uh, until you get that, if you will, muscle memory, you know, in the older cars, you know, the climate control was here. The radio was here. The radio buttons didn't change and whatnot. But now you're using that same, I call it glass cockpit, the d- digital screen, yeah. to do everything. So now you're switching, between, you know, that screen between different modes, yeah. uh, different screens, and and how much of a distraction is that as you're looking away, trying to get from the radio to the climate control, you know. Yeah. And, and a lot of people have uh, TVs now in the back seat. Yeah, in the uh, back of the headrest for, and for stuff. The kids and, and, uh, and, yeah, whatever. Or, or maybe for them, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it really, it's a complicated world these days. It is, you yeah. know, and the, it's amazing, that, you know, the technology that they brought into it, you know, and again, the, the, the digital screens in, in the instrument panel now and the center stack. And, you know, it's nice to have. It's a great convenience. Uh repairing it going forward might be a bigger challenge. Yeah, that's why I want to keep what I have to reach at least 320,000 miles All right. thanks to the help of uh, Weed Family Automotive at uh, 124 Store Street in Concord. Dan Weed is here. Still lots to talk about. And again, if you have any questions for Dan about the operation of your vehicle, give us a call 603-224-1450 if you hear a little noise that you don't quite like or recognize. Uh, Dan might be able to diagnose that right over the radio at uh, WKXL, 603-224-1450. Kale and Company live here on WKXL. We shall return with Dan Weed right after these words. Stay with us. Kale and Company live on this Thursday. WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Dan Weed with us from Weed Family Automotive. Conveniently located on 124 Store Street in downtown Concord. Lots of construction going on in that uh, in that area. Always like to get an update as uh, some new uh, restaurants and uh, shops move into the area. How's it? How's the construction going? That's coming along really well. Yeah. They're starting to do some of the uh, detail work on the exterior of the buildings. I see some of the siding going up. And, yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the, the, the brick uh, siding going up as well. They were putting some roof units on last week. So they're, they're getting closer and a lot of stuff, you know, of course we can't see inside the building, right. but uh, with the amount of activity going on, they're, they're coming along pretty well. And I, I would say, well, we're coming up the end of November way too quickly. So, you know, I would say December sometime for an opening date. Oh, and that, that is something. So uh, that's down at the, uh, what are they called, the Capitol Plaza? Yeah, the Capitol Cap- Shopping yeah, Center. Capitol Marshalls Shopping is Plaza, yeah. and whatever in Burlington and the uh, liquor store. And oh, there's the important Market one. basket. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to have some additions down there, as many of you know, and uh, see the construction maybe on a daily basis. And, uh, and speaking about construction, uh, lots of talk uh, in the area about the expansion of uh, 93 sure. in Concord and, uh, you know, expanding the lanes. And uh, as someone uh, who has a business very, very close to uh, Route 93, I mean, you couldn't be much closer than you are, uh, Dan Weed. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about the expansion? So, you know, we I, get, I saw the uh, 
article in the Concord Monitor the other day, and I guess I was thoroughly disappointed that they turned it into a socioeconomic issue rather than a safety and travel issue. But, uh, you know, they went on to delve into, you know, well, the city is divided by the river on two sides. Yeah. Well, so is Manchester. Right. Uh, you know, and really turned it into more of a, a people issue than a safety issue at that point. You know, I would love to see um, some of the pedestrian access that they talked about, you know, to go back and forth across the river to yeah. provide a, a better margin of safety and uh, enjoyment to the downtown. You know, it'd be nice to see, you know, heck, they talked about extending uh, Pleasant Street all the way down through the middle of that mall, have a, some pedestrian walkway, I guess, underneath the interstate out to the river walkway and across. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that's a uh, terrific vision at this point or a viable vision, but uh, to have some more pedestrian access, easier pedestrian access back and forth uh, from, say, the arena side of the river right. into downtown Concord and right. have a, a yeah. direct footpath that way. Of course, we see it all the time at the shop that there's people coming, walking through, they cut across through the, uh, the Ralph Pill Marketplace building parking yeah. lot, cross the tracks through our parking lot and then over to the downtown area. So they, they found that shortcut, if you will. Right. Uh, so I guess to provide an uh, official way to get there would yeah. be nice. Yeah. Uh, as far as traffic concerns, I definitely think we need the expansion here. One lane would be great. Uh, two would be a bit of a stretch, but uh, I think at least one travel lane, you know, definitive travel lane. So people that are just passing through the city are in that travel lane and go because having so many interchanges, so from say exit 16 down to the 89, 93 interchange, right. yeah. you have so many on and off ramps. Yeah. I think there's 10 or so, if my count is right, in that very short distance, you have the... Uh, all too terrifying, as I call it, Concord Curve. Of course, we have the Manchester Curve along the mills too, but the Concord Curve that, again, you have that congestion, the on and off ramps, the merging, and there's just so much going on in that very short period of, of travel that it, Truly, it, yeah. it creates you know, a, a daily congestion most of the time, north and southbound. Of course, the weekends, particularly summer and winter travel sure. on the weekends, yeah. inevitably two or three o'clock Friday northbound. Oh, you is, see it. And you see up. it. You're up close and personal well, we, right there. We have, we have yeah. a front row view. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and so, you know, to, to see the, you know, ever-growing congestion on the highway, we need some way to uh, eliminate that or, or help alleviate it. And so one more travel lane really isn't a great deal. Now, what they do to change the design of the on and off ramps uh, is a whole different ballgame. I haven't seen the official plans that they've laid out, so I, I can't really comment on that. But it, in my mind, from what I see on a daily basis, yes, we, we definitely need uh, some sort of expansion to ease the, the daily congestion that's out there. Yeah, that, that is certainly true. I mean, uh, if you're out at all uh, on, you know, Friday afternoons or sometimes when long weekends arrive, sometimes Thursdays, uh, you know, the traffic heading north uh, is just uh, unbelievable. Yes. You know? and I, and not, I, not so much heading south, but heading north, it's uh, it's really something. Well, actually, the, it, it is actually true heading south on the opposite end of the weekend. So yeah, coming back exactly, home exactly. Sunday afternoon, yeah. Sunday evening, yeah. you know, it's nothing for traffic to be backed up all the way to exit 17. Yeah in some cases. Yep. And and so now you have a three to five mile traffic backup that is really caused by the congestion through the Concord area. Yeah, no no question about that. So uh, Dan is, uh, is pro uh, expansion of Interstate 93. 
and then it's going to be even closer to Weed Family Automotive, probably. Well, that's going to be the interesting, you know, <laughs> how, how far do they really need to go to to make this expansion happen? You know, one one more travel lane, and, and a lot of places that travel lane's already there. So from the 89 junction up to exit 13, there's enough room there for an easy expansion of one extra lane with what they have for, you know, extra wide breakdown lanes and whatnot. So right. you can yeah. see that they've planned for this ahead of time. Once you get past exit 13, it really narrows down quite a bit. And so that's going to be the challenge because you've got the right. river on one side and yeah. then you've got the railroad well, yeah. on the other and side. And that's one thing people don't even think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's going to be a, a big hang up is what to do with the railroad because uh, what a lot of people don't know is that railroad is active yeah. uh, on a regular basis. I mean, for instance, there was a train down through yesterday. They were swapping cars around, moving things around and headed back down and then that rail also accesses the Laconia rail yard for the folks that have the their scenic railway up there. Right. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of uses that that rail gets. So it's not a, if you will, a dead railway, so to speak. It is truly active uh, on a regular basis. So you can't make it go away. It's still needed for commerce, and there's a lot of people that use that commerce uh, for getting goods and stuff shipped into the area. So we we have to have a an even balance of what to do with the railway, pedestrian access, and the expansion of the highway. And of course, you know, the big question is, what are they going to do to the rail infrastructure to improve it? You know, yeah. the last few years, of course, again, we have that front row view. We've seen a couple of train derailments, and all you have to do is take a quick walk out to the tracks and say, well, it, this it, needs a, a it, serious investment. You know, I, I have seen it up, up close and personal, and and uh, it's hard for me to believe the trains are still operating on those tracks. Yes. I mean, it really is, isn't it? It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's truly amazing. I, and, you know, really? There, there is a, uh, a level of safety concern every yeah. time the trail comes, the train comes through there. But uh, they still, you know, take their time, make it through. They m- must have some sort of... Speed limit on it now, maybe three to five miles an hour, I'm guessing. But, yeah. uh, you know, of course, north of the shop around the uh, the hotel and convention center, the, the rail had been repaired and fixed all the way up to Canterbury. And then south down by Blue Seal and uh, whatnot, it has been fixed up. But that short span between, say, Blue Seal feeds down Bow yeah. and where the convention center is needs uh, some serious attention. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt about that. And uh, but it is still operating. You you see the trains. Well, how, how many would you say that you, that you see during the course of a week? Uh, there's typically at least two yeah. regular trains that come up in the course of the week. And if you know, of course, I'm not at the shop a lot of times on the weekend. But there are some weekend trains that come through, and and they're fun to watch. I mean, to, to yeah. s- know the history behind the trains and whatnot, and what goes on there and the commerce that they bring into the city that a lot of people wouldn't even give thought to. And and where the station used to be in very exactly. close proximity to where yeah. you are. Yeah, uh, we, we have pictures of the old rail station uh, yeah. in our waiting area, so it's pretty interesting to see the history there. Of course, you know, the downside is when I moved to town in the early 70s, it had just been torn down, and, you know, people kind of wish that we had preserved it and it still could have turned into the shopping center it is today, yeah. maybe in a different uh look, if you will, or right. feel, yeah. but to see the, that part of the history preserved and understand that really, you know, what we know today from the interstate all the way up to the opposite side of Store Street was a giant uh, 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 
expansive rail system and rail yeah. yard. Oh, absolutely, uh, without question. And uh, unfortunately, that uh, that has gone. But uh, but nonetheless, there is still uh, those those trains that uh, go through Concord all the time. Now, how how far does that track go? I mean, uh, you know, the one that the trains that pass by. Uh, let's say Weed Family Automotive, where you're located. Mm-hmm. How far does that track go? Uh, north, it goes up into Tilton, and beyond that, I'm not positive. Yeah. Uh, but south, you know, that takes you all the way down into the Midwest and whatnot, and other, you know, rail connections. Of yeah. Course. The yeah. bigger rail connection is the one that goes up through Vermont and then Maine. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they uh, really refurbished it, maybe you could even talk about, uh, you know, uh, Public transportation. Passenger service into Boston. Passenger service into Boston. We used to have it. Elsewhere. So, I mean, uh, you know, the infrastructure is there. Mm -hmm. I think it would have to be repaired to quite an extent, Mm -hmm. but but it is there. It it is a viable option to have rail service to Boston from Concord. Yeah. Dan Weed is with us from Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord. Give them a call right now. Bobby and Charlie are standing by. 603-225-7988 or... You can check out uh, WeedFamilyAutomotive.com. Don't forget Weed TV. There you go. I'll tell you, the longest-running TV series now (laughs) on the air, or even off the air. Dan Weed is with us, and we'll be right back. Kale & Company live right here on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. Kale & Company live. It is a Thursday morning. Time flies when you're having fun. Especially when Dan Weed is on the show from uh, Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord, 603-225-7988, WeedFamilyAutomotive.com, Kale & Company, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find out uh, what a uh, good plan for you might be at NEDelta.com or Delta Dental Covers Me. Dot com. We were just talking uh, off the air, Dan and I, about uh, you know just the you know, the possibility of uh, passenger train service uh, through Concord, through New Hampshire, uh, going up you know to to Montreal, perhaps whatever the case may be. Uh, it, it's just it's, I I love to travel by the train. I really do. I mean, whenever I go to New York, I never drive in. I always take the train mm-hmm. uh, into uh, New York, and I've gone other places as well. Uh, but it, I, I love traveling by train, but economically, does it does it make sense? Well, you know, I'm, I'm not sh- sure, but I have to go back and look at the, the Amtrak model. You know, here you have a whole rail system that was pretty much federally subsidized at that point. Yeah. Uh, but people use it all the time to go, you know, to work and back and whatnot. Sure, and, yeah. Uh, and I, I think, you know, for us, you know, what what would be the draw for us? We'd go from... Concord to Manchester, then on Nashville and Boston, probably. Right. Yeah. Uh, tie into the T in some fashion. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago, and I'm sure, you know, we often forget, but when I first started the shop up, we had passenger rail service out of Concord. Yeah. You know, of yeah. course, the, the, the bus station was just across the parking lot. Yeah. And uh, there was limited rail service going, passenger rail service. Uh, in into Boston at that point, so it's not really that far of a stretch to make it happen. 
we would need some you know system infrastructure improvements oh, and maybe sure. the addition yeah. of some yeah. the addition of some uh, more rail or you know a dual rail line up through in different places yeah. but I, I think it would definitely be a, a worthwhile uh, and viable thing to, to bring back into our daily lives and you know rather than you know we can park and, and heck it'd be so easy to make this new train station right next to the bus station over on Stickney Ave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and see right something there. like that. Yeah. The, the rail is right there already. Yeah. It, everything's in place, and it wouldn't be that far of a stretch to make that happen. Yeah. No, not really. And, uh, boy, that would be a, a great alternative for a lot of people to get to work. I know there are a lot of buses that leave uh, every day yeah. uh, of the week uh, and return to, uh, to Concord for people who work in, in Boston. So. Uh, why not, uh, you know, add the rail, sure. you know, uh, I, if it's, you know, at all uh, feasible economically. Uh, speaking of uh, economics, and I see you have your copy of uh, Automotive News in front of you, <laughs> and I was going to mention, sorry about mm. Volvo CEO uh, Jim Rowan yeah. uh, says that by 2025, there might not be that much of a difference uh, between in price point between uh, gas-powered vehicles and electric vehicles. Sure. So you know the demand of the EVs and and more and more brought into our mainstream transportation needs. You know that price and demand uh, business model, so to speak. So the the more EVs we have out there, the more mainstream they become, the more the price will come down. Uh, you know, again, let let's buy an EV for what it's for. Let's buy it because it fits your lifestyle. It's that really cool technology that you want. You want to be the new kid on the block with that EV, whatever it happens to be. Uh, you know, one of my, you know, concerns, and I have no problems with the EVs, but it, it, again, much like our Amtrak discussion, it's heavily subsidized by our tax dollars, you know, at this point to, to make this happen. There's a tax incentive to the manufacturers and there's a tax break for the purchasers as well. Uh, you know, we're still lacking on some of the infrastructure in my mind as far as the charging network. Again, Tesla's at the forefront. Yeah. They've, they've brought the charging network in first and then brought the cars in. So they, they've done a great job but getting everybody else on board with their charging network in, or if you that refueling network, so to speak. And then I guess one of the things that I look at over our history, you know, we talk about, you know, the Merrimack station here in Bow is a coal-fired plant. Mm -hmm. It is the cleanest coal-fired plant on the East Coast. Yeah. All right. Uh, and granted, you know, we're trying to get away from that, if you will, energy and or energy dependence on so-called fossil fuels and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, over the years, we've shut down coal mines. We've shut down coal plants and everything else and because it was a problem with the environment, you know, the strip mines that were out there and everything else. But now we're talking about bringing EV production into our country. And they're talking about opening another anywhere from 10 to 20 mines for, you know, battery production. Yeah. Uh, the statistic that I heard that right now a permitting process for a new mine is up to 10 years. And the flip side is, wait, it's, it's a bad thing to shut, you know, to mine coal from the ground, but it's okay to mine minerals and materials for electric batteries and battery production. Mm. Seems well, to be kind of a double standard there. I'm thinking yeah. so too. <laughs> but <laughs> we live in a world of double standards, I think. Uh, so at any rate, you see uh, China, they're opening up uh, coal plants all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. You, know. you know, so they're not reducing their, if you will, 
dependent on fossil fuels, so to speak. Right. They're embracing it for what it is. And, uh, you know, again, I was reading an article uh, not long ago, and it went all the way back to the Rockefellers, and Rockefellers used the, the term fossil fuels. And, you know, it, all right, if you're talking about La Brea tar pits, or if you're talking about, you know, stuff that's on the surface of the earth, so to speak, you know, what a tru- where truly do you find most of your fossils? And it's typically what, within the first 100, 150 feet of the earth's surface, I'll, I'll call it, right? Mm-hmm. But if we're drilling for oil, yep. thousands and thousands of feet below the ground, is oil truly a fossil fuel or is it part of our planet's natural uh, build or, or yep. you know, physical yep. physical structure? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you, you'd have to ask our, our commander-in-chief, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. He'll know. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> positive that he's right there with that answer. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you know, we're talking about China building all the uh, the coal plants. Uh, what's the country that makes the most EV batteries? Right, yeah. China. By but, far, by, right? I mean, yeah. it's not even close. No. Right? Uh, I mean, and, and the sad reality is most of our goods come from China, you know, and, and how, how is it that we have become as – a superpower nation, and not that China isn't, but all of a sudden what happens, you know, when for some reason those ties to China get cut off. You have no relationship with China at all, but where are these goods then going to come from? Oh, exactly. Uh, although there is talk of some, uh, are there battery plants already in, the, in this country, EV battery plants? There, uh, There's a couple out there right yeah. now, and, and most of your major manufacturers are, are starting to build their own battery plants. You know, General Motors, Ford, they've taken these plants that have been idle for years, they're retrofitting them to be able to build their own batteries here in our country. Well, that, that's good anyway. It is. It's good to see that. It's good to see some of the manufacturing brought back into the country yeah. as, as it should oh. be. You know, I took a look at our part shelf one day not long ago and just out of curiosity, I couldn't find one part that particular day that was built here in the United States. That that is pretty sad, yep. isn't it? Yep. It is pretty sad. No, that's fact I, of life. I, I, I yeah. gotta say, I, I I had to chuckle. I was working on a car the other day, and you know, we're all about that. I call it the race to the bottom. That that bottom dollar. Who's the cheapest? Who can do it the cheapest? But here in a customer's car was a set of brake parts, and now here I'm thinking, you know, you're driving your car every day. Your life is, in fact, in our hands when you bring your car to the repair shop, right? And, and, and I'm grateful to, for the people that trust us for bringing the car in because they're, you're trusting us with your life. But here in this particular car, and the gentleman wanted to do the work himself, and, and I'm all for that. If you want to do the work yourself, terrific. But when I see brake parts, now, you know, here you are trying to stop. This is one of your primary yeah. points of safety. Right. And I'll uh, paraphrase the name of the company on the box, but I'll call it the, the parts shack. Okay. For, <laughs> the parts shack. Okay. For, for, for your brake parts. Yeah. You have no yep. idea where these brake parts came from. You don't know the composition of them. You don't know the reliability of them. And I've seen studies years and years ago between different manufacturers, you know, brand name versus no name brand. Yep. The yep. brand name has something to stand by. They've, they've been tested. They've been proven. They're, you know, there for a reason. And you know that particular name that can be trusted. And all of a sudden you want to save yourself that 20 or 30, $50 on brake parts yeah. that you buy online from the parts shack. Your li- you know, keep in mind, your life is 
relying on the performance of these components. Right. And how but, you know people want to save thirty bucks, you know, right? So, yeah, you know, yeah. and you know yeah. when, when that brake system fails because you don't have the proper brake pads, your car doesn't stop in time or at all, depending on what happens. Yeah. You know, what have you truly saved? Or in this case, what has that savings really cost you? Well, trust me, Dan Weed, I will never work on my own brakes. <laughs> you have my word on that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for you know, you know, people wanted to do the job on their own, you know, build that skill, you know, whatever. But let's make sure we use the the right parts, and let's make sure we use quality parts. Weed Family Automotive always uses quality parts, folks. At the 124 Store Street in Concord. You can make an appointment right now, 603-225-7988, weedfamilyautomotive.com. Dan, always great to have you on the program. Thank you. We just scratch the surface of things, and then it's it's time to go. We've only just begun. But we'll have you back uh, real soon, and uh, always look forward to it. Tomorrow, don't forget, we have the uh, Friday Fun Bunch. Kitty Ray will be here. Tom Raffio from uh, Northeast Delta Dental. You never know what surprises we might have uh, up our sleeve. So we'll uh, convene again tomorrow at 9. If you missed this show, want to hear it again after 7 tonight, right here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Have a good Thursday, everybody.